Richard told me I had to come up here because I'm short. So that you can all see me. So, <laughs> But there we go. Me and Lucundo is the same, aren't we? Anyway. Oh, it was so cute, the kids leaving. I can't, you know that, that film, The Sound of Music, when they were all like singing? I was like, oh, it'd be nice if they all sang as they left. It'd be quite cute, wouldn't it? So, but there we go. Talking about films, um, I actually really love films. I'm really into like films that are like really adventurous and, and they've got like really impossible things that, that they have to achieve and they manage to achieve it and it's like it's against all odds and so I just love anything like that. It's like really exciting and you're sitting on the edge of your seat kind of thing and, and um, recently we watched this film Mission Impossible. Have you seen that? Good. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it as well. But um, I love that film. It's really interesting because, like, me and Richard are really different. So I love, like, the really mindless, adventurous things. And Richard likes all the deep and all the... So when we went to see Mission Impossible, I came out feeling really excited. Oh, it was amazing. I loved it. And Richard goes, oh, you could tell what was going to happen there, couldn't you? <laughs> and I was like, I know, but that was really great. And he goes, but you, you knew what was going to happen at the end. You knew it was going to save the day. And I was like, yes, but that's the best bit about it. You know, and, and that's the thing for me. I, I know how the film's going to end, but I kind of get into the adventure. I love it when I see Tom Cruise, like, running as fast as he can. And it, it makes me feel really energized. And I want to go for a run. And, you know, I kind of, like, get involved with the movie because I think yes it's exciting and I like seeing the strength and the determination to keep on going and you know and sitting on the edge of your seat will he make it or won't he make it and and yes in my mind I know he's gonna make it but I'm still sat there on the edge of my seat is he gonna do it is he gonna do it and I'm all excited and you know and this is a bit like um it's a bit like the gospel, really. This is how we can see the gospel message. You see, we know how it ends, don't we? We know that Jesus won the day. We know that Jesus had the victory. He died on the cross and he rose again from the grave. He has the victory and he rescued us and saved us. You know, and we have this choice to enter into this mission with Jesus Christ in rescuing the rest of the world, all the people around us. It's our choice. We can either sit back and chill out and relax and say, yes, I know how it's going to end, this. You know, I don't need to do anything. You know, Jesus has done it all. Or we can get in on the adventure and say, Jesus, I want to enter into this mission with you. I want to be adventurous with you. I want to see people's lives changed and transformed by partnering with you. And this is a daily choice that we can make. We can have an everyday courageous adventure with Jesus Christ by being with him and coming on this mission and seeing people's lives changed and restored. You know, sometimes we can look at our circumstances and, and yeah, we do get knockbacks and we make mistakes and, you know, we can look at, you know, all the things that we have to do and touching people's lives and, you know, speaking to them and things like that. And we think, actually, it's really impossible. I don't actually think that they're interested or, or I make mistakes or, and we can come up with all kinds of different reasons of why we shouldn't do it. And it, you know, and it starts becoming this impossible thing in our mind that locks us up and holds us back. You know, the beauty of the gospel mission is that um, 
that we can be courageous because Jesus fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit. The only reason that we can go out there with such courage is because he has filled us with himself. See, it's Jesus' plan, it's Jesus' purpose for us to go out there and rescue people and see people saved. I love that song, Glorious Day. You know, he called my name and I ran out of that grave. You know, we can partner with Jesus and say to people, look, he's calling your name. He wants to rescue you. He wants to set you free. He wants you to know he loves you. And we can be those that, that partner with Jesus because he fills us with his power and his presence. So your mission, if you choose to accept it, (laughs) is to go on this amazing adventure with Jesus Christ and seeing people's lives changed and transformed. But there is a warning with this mission. So when we go on this amazing adventure, this mission with Jesus, there will be times where you will be sitting on the edge of your seat. There will be times when you'll be thinking, will I actually make this? Or there will be times when you think, I don't think I can do this, it's too difficult. But our reward is that we get the excitement and the joy when we see people's lives turned around and transformed. We're not going to see that if we don't get adventurous and start doing it, because it's never going to happen. But the chances are we will see it happen if we enter in. You know, when someone says to us, tell me a bit more about Jesus, or when they say to us, um, actually, I would like to come to church, that feeling, it's such a simple thing that they could say to us, that feeling will fill us with such joy and excitement. Just think of the joy and excitement that Jesus is feeling when he knows he's one step further to their heart. And all that is required is our availability and our, you know, making our ordinary lives available to him every single day. We don't need to be these superheroes who are watching the movies with their massive muscles like Spider-Man and Wonder Woman and all of that. We don't need to be like that. We can just be who God has called us to be. He knows everything about you. He knows all your mistakes. He knows you just had an argument with your spouse before you came into the room. He knows all of those things, but he still loves you, and he has this plan and purpose for you. Um, You know, just um, thinking about, you know, when, like, something really exciting happens, uh, in our lives, we quite often, and we know when other people do it, they're really excited, they've got something, and they're burning, they just want to tell us what it is, and you know, they're not really interested if we're interested, really, they just want to tell us what it is, because it's burning inside them, and it's really exciting, and, you know, and this is what it's supposed to be like for us with the gospel, you know, it's not that we, we don't care about what other people think, but there's something inside of us that's welling up in there that we just have to let it out. You know, I'm the kind of person I actually, actually like looking at other people's um, holiday photographs. And I love it. I actually like hearing about all their adventures and all of that. But when it comes to about the 500th photograph, I'm kind of sort of thinking, 
all right, okay, I know you've had a good time. Can we, like, just change the subject now? You know, because you just overdo it, don't you? You know, and it can be a little bit like that, really, with sharing our faith. We have to be sensitive to how we share it as well, not overdoing it. You know, we have got this excitement within us. We have got something that we want to share, but it's a conversation as well. And when we want to talk to people about Jesus, when we want to proclaim who Jesus is to us and, and tell him what he's done in our lives, it needs to be a conversation, not a preach or a lecture or anything like that. You know, Colossians 4 verse 5 says this, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. You know, we often miss opportunities to share because we don't actually think we're going to get an opportunity. Maybe we just don't think about it. Maybe we don't think, oh, today I'm going to get an opportunity to share or to witness or to tell someone about Jesus. And we just, so if we're not thinking about it, we're not looking at, we're not looking for it. So, you know, I just want to challenge you really. How often do you leave your house thinking, today I'm going to get an opportunity to share my heart? to share something of God, to share something that Jesus has done in my life. You know, and I'd love to challenge you with that and to think about, you know, to, to start having that in your mindset as you leave in the house. Today, I'm going to share something of God. And believe me, when you start doing this, you will start getting opportunities. And ask the Holy, Holy Spirit for opportunities to, to show someone about the, um, to show someone Jesus who needs them. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to show you someone um, who needs to know the love of God, who's desperate for love. Maybe they feel lonely or maybe they feel like unloved and, and you're there and you can express the love of God to them. You can say, give me opportunities today to introduce you to someone. Give me an opportunity to express love to someone who feels unloved. Give me an opportunity to tell someone their life has purpose, who feels hopeless and devastated. Do you know how many people that we meet, and we don't realize it because of the front that they've got in their, in, on and they're going on, and we, all we see is this front, that feel hopeless, that feel devastated, that feel hope, they just don't know what's going to happen next. You know, we can ask the Holy Spirit, show us those people, and then we can express that they have got a purpose. They have got a destiny. They are loved. And a really, really courageous prayer to ask is, Lord, help me to be different to the world so that someone will ask me why I'm different. You know, that is a really scary prayer to ask, isn't it? You know, to be different. You know, Richard was talking about it today. One of his, he gave an example of, you know, people talking about different things. And, and then someone comes to you and says, well, what do you think? And you know that it's complete. Whatever they were talking about is so against what you believe of the love and grace and faithfulness of God. And, and you've got to stand up to that. And you've got to say something different. You know, and, you know, and that is a really courageous thing to actually ask for those opportunities because that is an opportunity to express something of God, to show who you are in Jesus so that people say, why do you think that? Why do you do that differently? Now, we have um, neighbors, new neighbors next door. They're so lovely. 
It's so sweet. And I've been praying for them and just trying to get to know them a little bit more. And just like, just in my heart, feeling like, God, I really want them to come to know you. I really want to know how to witness to them, how to express your love to them. Um, they're uh, Muslims, so obviously it's an extra bit of challenge, but not a challenge for God, is it? For the Holy Spirit. So I've been praying for them and asking God to um, give me opportunities. And we've had loads of conversations. I've been round for a drink and, and we've been chatting. And, and before I came away, and they know I go to church, they know I'm a Christian and all of that. And, um, and before we came away, I said to them, oh, I'm going away um, on a church weekend away. And they're like, all oh, right, that's nice. And, and so um, and said, we'll look after your house, don't worry. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And, and I know that when I go back, they're going to say to me, oh, how was your weekend? And so I was thinking about this. And I was thinking, do you know what? When I go back and, say, and they ask me, how was your weekend? I would love to say to them, and I'm asking God to give me courage for this. I would love to say to them, I felt really close to God in our times of worship. And in fact, when I was worshiping God, I felt this sense of joy and peace just come and fill my heart. And then we had some times of teaching, and um, in the times of teaching, we were really encouraged and really inspired to live our lives, um, loving people the way Jesus loved people. And, and I was thinking, I wonder what they'll think if I said that. But actually, I want the boldness to say that, because I don't want to say, oh, I've had, just, I've had a lovely family weekend away, and the kids loved it, and it was this, that, and the other, and, you know, I want to actually say what, how it impacted my life, to sow a seed into their lives of thinking, oh, what is that about? So what I want you to do now, in pairs, just for the next few minutes, I want you to give each other a chance to do this to each other. But in pairs, I want you to think of something and then speak it to the person of what you could say to somebody if they asked you how your weekend was. Okay? Something different to what you would normally say that express something of Jesus. So if you can do that in pairs for the next five minutes. Thank you. Okay, when you're ready, wow, you've got a lot to say, I must say, (laughs) excellent, I think it's part of why I want to do that was, I think it actually helps hearing that come out of your mouth, hearing your own voice saying those things, because we're not used to saying, we're not used to talking, unless you're a preacher, or you lead Bible studies, or have really good conversations with your friends about Jesus all the time, you don't actually say things like that very often, so it's actually good to say it, and you get used to your own voice of saying those things, 
I'm going to read some Bible, you'll be pleased to know. So if you would like to turn to John chapter 4. And this passage is when Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman at the well. So it's John 4, and I'm going to start from verse 4. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I, don't, that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that... The Messiah called Christ is coming when he, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. Verse 28. Then leaving her, then leaving, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and went to the people. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. 
Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Amen. And that's such a beautiful story. You know, I love the story of the Samaritan woman. You know, she meets Jesus. She has an encounter with Jesus. And, and she, she, she experiences something of Jesus that, that helps, her to reveal, helps her to see that he is the Messiah. And she believes him. And she, you know, he's there talking to her about a hope and a future. And, and she believes it. And, and she goes to the towns and she starts telling everybody about it. And she's just telling them about her encounter with Jesus and how he knew everything about her. Jesus, a Jew, came and talked to her, a Samaritan. Not only a Samaritan, but a woman as well. You know, how much must that have meant to her? That must have meant so much to her. She must have felt so loved, so special to him in his eyes. Um, and I love it when we get to like verse 42 and, and it says this, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. You know, all she did was talk about her experience. She said to the villagers, she went, he told me everything about me, knew everything about me. And, you know, and they all came to find out for themselves. And, and this is what it is when we tell people about our experience about Jesus. You know, what we're doing, we're introducing Jesus to them so that they can find out more about Jesus. Um, you know, that's all we need to do is introduce people to Jesus. Now, I'd like us to now spend the next five minutes. Hope you don't mind this bit of combo, but um, gets you talking. Um, I'd like you to say to the person next to you, what prompted you to become a Christian? Okay, we're going to give you five minutes. Get two and a half minutes each. Okay, that's great. This, um, did you feel encouraged listening to the other person about what prompted them to become a Christian? Did that you find that encouraging hearing that? Um, you know, it's you know, all our, our stories are really, really powerful stories. They're all really different. I bet there's no story in this room that's the same as another person. I bet we all have different stories. You know, and it's good to think about why we became a Christian, what prompted us to become a Christian, because that's our testimony. 
You know, we don't, we don't have to spend a long time saying what prompted us to become a Christian. You know, Richard this morning was, talk, was speaking from the Philippians and um, was talking about Paul and about how Paul says that, um, you know, if, you know, He'd rather be at home with Jesus, but because his work isn't done, that he has to stay here. That he's only staying here because he still has work to do. And this is why we are here. This is because God's plan and purpose, why we are still here, is to proclaim the gospel. Well, Jesus said something similar, didn't he? When he was at the well, disciples came and they wanted to give him food. And he was like, I don't need that because the, you know, I have food that you know not of. I was doing the, you know, the will of my father. That's the f- my food. And, um, and it's kind of similar, really. And it, and it just got me thinking when I saw that, when he was saying about the food and, and about the harvest being ripe. And, and this is what uh, replenishes him. This is what makes him feel satisfied. This is what makes him feel full when he's doing the will of the Father. You know, I wonder what our witnessing would be like if we thought of our witnessing to be like food. You know, if we thought that when we witness, it nourishes us. When we witness, it does something to us. It it feeds us. It, It fills us up. It satisfies us. If we thought about witnessing like that, I wonder if we would do it more often. And I wonder if, if the more often we did it, the more we did it, and the more satisfied and the more filling we find it, actually, you know, we might think, I'd like to do some more. I don't know about you, but um, I have a massive appetite. I love eating. And there's certain things, you know, sometimes like I can think, oh, yeah, I won't have that. And I, I like it. I'll just think, I'm trying to be good here and... You know, and you start eating it, and you think, oh, I might have another one. That's really nice. And then before you know it, you've eaten the whole cake. You know, it's all gone, and you think, oh, how did that happen? You know, and there's something, isn't there, about eating something that's really enjoyable. You just want to do it again and again and again, have more and more and more. And if we see witnessing like that, do you know how many people we would, like, impact and touch, and people's lives would change? And I want to see witnessing like that. I want to see it how Jesus saw it. I want to experience it how Jesus experienced it. You know, Jesus didn't always preach at people. He often identified a need in them. He would, you know, go and approach them and have a conversation with them, get to know them, show them that he loved them, he cared for them. You know, and he wanted to be their friends. And, you know, and this is like... um, this is a really, really good example for us. You know, um, I know there's different ways of witnessing, but I think one of the most powerful ways of witnessing is to people that know us, the people that like us, the people that think, oh, actually, you're okay. And, you know, when they listen to what you're saying, um, loving the person that we are talking to and, and showing care to the person that we're talking to can open their hearts to to want to receive more of what we're saying. And this is our aim, isn't it? This is, our, this is what we want to do. Not because we want to start, you know, we don't think, oh, I love that person so I can tell them the gospel so that they get saved. But our primary focus is Jesus gave his life for that person. Jesus loves that person so passionately, so much that he died for that person. 
He is there calling their name. He wants them to run out of that grave. He wants them to know freedom. He wants them to know life. That person in front of you that doesn't know him, that's dying on the inside, Jesus passionately loves that person. You know, and if we love that person the way Jesus loves that person, you know, we're going to want to tell them about the life that they can have. You know, it might take time. We might not just tell them straight away about Jesus' love for them. So our aim is like, let's love them. Let's make friends with them. Let's build a relationship up with them so that we can have this opportunity where we can express the love of God. We can show them who God is. Um, in 1 John 5 verse 12, it says, He who has Jesus as life. You know, what we are doing is we're introducing people to life. When we're introducing them to Jesus, we're introducing them to life. We want them to have life. We want them to have Jesus. And so we should try to learn how to bring Jesus into our conversations. You know, this is actually, you might find this a bit weird to start with. You know, start, you know, in a normal conversation, just... I don't know, start practicing it, you know, bring it up. You can take little steps, say something about Jesus in a conversation. It doesn't even have to be a big thing, but just to, just to bring it into conversation and get used to yourself saying it. Do you know that fear is the biggest killer to courage? You know, we know that, don't we? It's obvious. We all know. Fear is the biggest killer to courage. You know, we can have all kinds of great intentions, then failure of fi- then, then the fear of failure or the fear of looking foolish then grips us and stops us. Do you realize that we can actually learn not to be afraid of failure? There's actually, failure is not actually a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with failure. We don't have to be afraid of it. You know, um, these past few weeks, um, there's probably other parents in here that's been feeling the same thing, or maybe there's some students and young adults that have been having the same thing, they've been waiting for exam results. You know, in our house, we've been waiting for A-level results, we've been waiting for GCSE results, and, and there's this, tr- this like, tremendous amount of pressure on our kids not to fail. They don't want to fail. I don't care what I get as long as I just don't fail. You know, and this feeling in them. And, and of course, I want my kids to do well and I want them to work hard and, and all the rest of it and do the best that they can. But in the end, if they fail, it's not a disaster. It's not end of the world. There's other options. We can do research. There's loads of things that we can do to help them, to, to, to find a, um, something else for them. It's not a disaster. Failure is not a disaster. There's always something else we can do to get it right, to make it better. You know, think about how God brought you into this world. We were set up for failure from the start, really, weren't we? We set up for failure. We came as babies. We were born, and we weren't able to walk. We couldn't talk. We couldn't even go to the toilet ourselves. You know, all these things, we had to learn them, didn't we? And we didn't learn them overnight. We had to learn. It was constant learning. You know, and how many times did we fail before we got good at walking? 
How many times did we mess up? How many times did we do things that we, we, we couldn't do before? And now we can do it, and we do it really, really well. You know, the whole point is that we're supposed to keep on trying, keep on doing it again and again and again and again. And if we fail, that's okay. We just try again. You know, if in, we in our minds, we think to ourselves, okay, I'm going to try this. It's the first time I've done this. I'm going to tell someone about Jesus. And um, it's okay if I fail. It's fine. It doesn't matter. If I fail, it doesn't matter. I, what I'll do is, if I do fail, if I do mess up, then I'll just have a think about it. How can I do it better next time? What can I do differently? There's nothing wrong with failing you know, the whole time we get it wrong or we fall down or make a mess or a mistake, um, Jesus is endlessly patient, willing us on to get up and try again. You know, he is so excited when we even try. And so when we fall down, it's like, yes, you did it. Now get up and try again. Keep going. You know, failure is not the problem. It's our fear of failure. We don't have to be afraid of it. I don't know if the Samaritan woman at the well was afraid to go and tell the villagers everything because she could have been rejected by the villagers. She didn't really have a great lifestyle. She was an unmarried woman living with a man. And so, you know, but she went to the village and she told them about Jesus. And, you know, it was, and I just think she was, there was something in her that was so passionate about her encounter with Jesus that made her take that step, that step of faith, that risk. You know, she could have, like, been completely rejected by everyone. She could have been told, why would we listen to you? Go away. You're talking a lot of rubbish. We don't want to listen to you. Why should we listen to you? But she still went, and she talked about her encounter with Jesus. And as a result, many of the villagers got saved because they went to hear Jesus for themselves, and they heard him, and they saw that he was the Messiah. We just need to introduce people to Jesus. We just need to tell people about Jesus. You know, it's not us. It's not our persuasive argument or anything that makes people change. It's the power of the Holy Spirit coming and speaking to them and touching their lives. You know, we just introduce them and Jesus does the rest. The gospel is really, really powerful. And John 3:16 says this. Well, hopefully. <laughs> um, John 3, 16, fab verse, it says this. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Isn't that beautiful? So, so beautiful. You know, everyone, everyone faces death. Everyone faces hopelessness. Everyone faces doubts. And we have a really, really powerful message that we can give to them that can bring life, that can bring hope of eternity, that can change their life from a life of perishing 
you know, whether people realize it or not, they probably don't know about Jesus. They don't know that there's this option of eternal life. They don't know about that, but they know that there's something missing in their hearts. They know there's a sense of, like, um, I don't know what's next after this. And they may have some other beliefs and ideas, but there's, there's something in their heart that's saying, actually, um, I don't know what my life is about. I don't know if what happens when I die. And we have something to tell them. We have a message to tell them. You know, sharing the gospel changes people's lives. If we don't proclaim the gospel to people, how will they know that they can have a hope? How will they know that they can believe in Jesus and know that he is there for them if we don't tell them? Um, I, want this, I want to hand out these leaflets. They're called Equipped. Did anyone manage to pick one of these up at all? So if we can hand these out, I've got some over here. So everyone gets one of these. So this is... Um, a two-day, you can hand them out while I'm talking. This is a two-day empowering course, um, training people and equipping people in evangelism and healing and how we, um, we heal people and how we evangelize people. And it's a great, great tool. We need to be those that are hungry and desiring more of how do we do this? How can we express the love of God to people? You know, and so this... Um, it's a really, really great opportunity for us. We've got Julian and Sarah Richards come in. They're from New Wine, Wales. We've had Julian before, and he's amazing. They see people getting healed all the time, and they see people getting saved. They see so much through, and so, so it'd be really good if you can come to that. So get that, book that in your diary, and come along to it. Tickets are available at www.makingjesusfamous.org slash equipped. There you go. So think about your friends, your family, your relatives, uh, neighbors. Think about different people that don't know Jesus at the moment. And think about what their lives would be like if they knew Jesus. What would their lives be if they weren't racked with shame and guilt? What would their lives be like if they knew that God had a plan and purpose for them? What would their lives be like if they knew that, that there was more to this life than what we're experiencing now? We have an amazing, wonderful, powerful message. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says this, How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Remember, it's Jesus that saves. But we have a powerful message to proclaim. We have good news that brings salvation. We have something that we can share to people. And we don't want people to be locked up any longer. We don't want to see the people that Jesus loves so passionately and so much that we're in contact with, not knowing what this message is. We can take that risk of failure. We can take that risk as telling them about Jesus and them not being interested. And that is okay. We can take that risk of telling them about Jesus. And what if they say, I want to know more? 
I want to know this Jesus. I want to know where it is to, to know wholeness and hope and peace in my life. Right, I want you to spend the next few minutes talking to the person next to you. We should be getting to know each other quite well now. <laughs> talking to the person next to you. I want you to talk about how Jesus has transformed your life and what's different about your life now that you have a hope in Jesus. Right, if you don't know the person that you've been talking to all night, you don't know their name, I want you to ask them their name now. And just to avoid, just to avoid awkwardness, and you don't want to ask them because you feel like you should know their name, just tell the other person your name. And what I want you to do... This person that you've been talking to all night, I want you to promise them that over the next few weeks, you're going to pray for them for courage. You're going to pray for them for boldness in witnessing, in proclaiming the gospel, in sharing their story. So I want you to promise the person you've been talking to all night that that's what you're going to do. And then I want you to keep your promise. Okay, make sure you keep your promise. Right, everyone stand up. Right, Jesus says to you, this is from Matthew. But I've added in a few extra words. Jesus said to you, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.